Hi, this is Michelle Pomeroy with the Right Fit Podcast. Keep listening because today's guest just might be the right fit for you. Hi, Ben. Yeah. It's exciting. We're launching this sucker. Yes, we are. How was your drive in? Beauty. Yeah. Easy yeah. peasy. Mm-hmm. I love that new exit. Yeah. Right? When you it's catch 7200 like, like miles. Yes. There's not that backup anymore, which is awesome. Yeah. You just fly. Yep. Cool. <laughs> oh, I'm excited. Yeah. Let's let's see how this works. Do you want me sitting right across from Yeah, this and then so we can, the mic can fit both of, or pick up both of us. Breathe through my little anxiety here. Are you anxious? I feel like it's all official. <laughs> I, I feel like of anybody I know, I was like, who would be the easiest to interview? Uh, ben. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Well, I'm honored to be uh, to be um, uh, on on the launch. <laughs> the launch. You're your... here. Oh, okay. So I'm gonna do my best to give a little introduction of you. Yeah, that's cool. So this is Ben Croft. He's a licensed associate marriage and family therapist. Ben works out of a few offices up and down the valley, including one in Layton, one in Mill Creek, and one in Lehigh. Ben specializes in working with struggling teens, young adults, couples, and families. He is trained in a number of therapies, including CBT, DBT, ART, and EFT, which is a lot of acronyms. <laughs> uh, so we'll learn more about Ben's approach here together. So I want to tell you about my experience with Ben. I want to tell you about my experience because we've traveled a very similar path becoming therapists together. Yes, we have. Uh, ben and I went to grad school together. We interned together and now work as colleagues in the same clinic. And we both hail from Southern Utah. We do. So we have so, so much in common, which is so fun. Similar DNA. That's right. In the Red Rocks. Yep. <laughs> uh, and then uh, my first impression of you, Ben. <laughs> so um, I remember that first night in grad school um, and noticed you for the first time. I was like, he is super nice, very outgoing, very, very confident. And I was like, he's the guy that walks around the room and makes everybody feel comfortable and welcome. And I think that's that really shows up in the therapy that you do. I've even noticed like you lingering in the waiting area as you send your clients out the door, still chit-chatting, <laughs> which is awesome. And I can tell that your clients just really enjoy your time. And um, uh, I, I refer to Ben often, especially teens and young men. I think he has a real gift working with that population. Thank you. So, okay, Ben, how was that for an introduction? I think it was awesome. <laughs> I think it sounds like a good picture of me, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, let's get to know you even better. Cool. Tell me a little bit about your story. Um, yes, from I grew up in, a, in Hurricane, Utah. Mm-hmm. Um, when and married a girl from Hurricane, we moved all the way 20 miles over to St. George. Uh-huh, very far. <laughs> so we lived there for 15 years, and um, I had a uh, number of, of different careers I went through, and um, mostly working in one particular retail store where I grew up in the business world. Uh-huh. Um, Was that... Boulevard Home Furnishing. Yes. yes. Yep. Furniture, yes, furniture store there in St. Yes. George. 
for a period of time, my biggest moment of fame was when I was a uh, a billboard guy out by Beaver. I was up on a billboard for oh, like you put them up? a couple of years. Ah. Well, I, I was like Oh, you the were model. on? Oh, you I was, were? I was the model on that. <laughs> oh, so, you, so you had a modeling career? Yeah, scraping the bottom of the barrel <laughs> for somebody to put their face on a billboard. So had a love loved that. And then uh, went from working at the boulevard to working for Biggest Loser Resort down there. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was awesome. What did you do there? I, you know, that's actually where I started getting a real interest, I think, in helping people change their lives. Yeah. Because it was, I was um, in uh, inbound and outbound calls, people who would watch Biggest Loser and then want to do that. Yes. And kind of in a private setting. Yeah. So we, there was a, a resort down there that ran the same type of program. Mm-hmm. So I would take people's calls as they called in to find out what our about program it. did and talk yeah. to them about how they got where they are and how they needed to change their life. And then I would commit them to come stay at our resort and then I also got to hike with them as a hiking guide and I would hike three or four times a morning mm-hmm. um, with the guests and take them through Snow Canyon and just all of the canyons awesome. down there so I'll need to ask you about your favorite hikes in Snow Canyon yes we go and we do a lot of the yeah. short ones with our kids yeah but I'm like yeah. there's got to be more than what yeah. we do down there so well, cool and you're mm-hmm. a really active guy um, I know that about you. So what part has that played in your story? Um, yes, uh, I love running. If you, if you call just running active, <laughs> I'm a little one-dimensional. <laughs> I, I did do triathlons back in the day before they became like crazy big now. When they did the first one down in St. George yeah. where we swam in Gunlock. Oh, it was in Gunlock. And, uh-huh. and uh, so, yeah, swimming, biking, running, all of that is definitely something I, I love. Yeah. So, and as far as how that maybe plays into what I do now, um, I love to walk with my clients. Which is so yeah. cool. So unique. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Say more about that. So I, I just... I've known through my own life and through watching others develop, maybe from Biggest Loser Resort and everything else. Yeah. Um, my mom being a, a yoga instructor and fitness instructor and all of this. So I've seen a model that yeah. when people get moving, they improve. Mm-hmm. And they improve not just their physique or their their waistline or whatever their goal is, Yeah. but they improve with self-confidence, with motivation, yes. depression lessons workout anxiety or you mm-hmm. going on a walk with somebody and just moving your feet and talking about what's on your mind is yes so empowering yeah so. i i recently learned um on another podcast i love mm-hmm. podcasts um <laughs> that like the healthiest thing that you can do for your brain yeah. is go on a walk with somebody that you care about and cares about you and mm-hmm. talk about your challenges Mm-hmm. and that that gets everything firing, and it's literally one of the best things that we can do. Yeah. So I love that you take advantage of all of those aspects. One of the modalities that's popular in therapy is EMDR, Yeah. and one of the foundations of that is this, this bilateral stimulation, right, yes. of the hemispheres of your brain. When you're walking, you're doing the same thing with your left, that right, side to side. left, yeah. right, this cadence, this... Mm-hmm. 
consistent cadence, and it starts to put your body into a rhythm that allows, it just kind of frees up thought yeah. and space. And Yeah. Is that, do you notice that? Do you notice your clients opening up better mm -hmm. as you're walking with them? Yep. If you don't think you can have a deep conversation when you're walking, we cry together when we walk and everything. So it's, I love that. yeah, you can, uh, especially teens and teen boys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're much more comfortable shoulder to shoulder yes. looking forward than they are knee to knee with me staring yes. down their soul. Yes. <laughs> so. And you've, you work a lot with teens. Um, mm -hmm. Tell me more about your experience in that way. What's gotten you interested in working with that population? Um, honestly, on a personal level, probably the friendship I developed with uh, um, one of my earliest friends in high school. Uh -huh. Who he came to our small town to come to a, a boy's home. And we struck it off and developed this great friendship. And he changed his life. And that friendship has been really sweet to me. Yeah. So I think there may be... Some yeah. of me that's still reliving that same mm -hmm. connection yeah. where where teen males who are struggling with who they are or what what you know yeah. family conflict or personal mm -hmm. demons and to be able to work through that and then watch people change their lives just yeah that lights me up. I'd love to understand mm -hmm. more about how you decided to be a therapist. How did you go from Boulevard Home Furnishing, Biggest mm -hmm. Loser Ranch, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to wanting to, to be a therapist? Well, I was always in sales. I sold furniture. I sold fitness. I sold solar door-to-door. Okay. -door. Uh -huh. I sold um, living scriptures door-to-door, -door. Uh -huh. <laughs> VHS back in those days. Uh -huh. So I've, I've, been, uh, I've been in that world forever. One day, I remember very clearly, I was in Denver knocking doors, and I had a really um, rough door, mm -hmm. right? The yeah. lady did not want me on her doorstep. <laughs> so after I finished that door and looked down the street and saw 30 more doors I had to go knock, I thought to myself, what are you doing? Mm. Like, what are you, what are, what are you doing, Ben? What are you doing today that's bringing value, that's helping, that's, yeah. That's impactful. And I, I just started soul searching and said, I'm selling isn't my passion. What's my passion? And just started digging into what drives me and really human connection, connecting mm -hmm. with people, yeah. talking about meaningful things, right? Like yes. deep level, who are you? What are you about? What drives you? What um, what goals do you have? How are you getting there? What upsets you? Yeah. That has always, across anything that I do, has been a constant of what pulls me in. I just decided to make a life shift and mm -hmm. said, okay, I'm going to pursue that. So I texted my wife, who was living in Salt Lake while I was living in Denver, to do this job. Mm -hmm. So said, you were married? and So married, yeah, yep. yep. Have a... Yeah, 15-year-old and a 7-year-old. Okay, and, so this uh, is a big shift. You had a career. Yeah. You were providing for a family. Mm -hmm. Did that take a lot of courage? What did that take to be able to say, okay, I'm shifting gears completely here? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it did 
I well, one, it took an amazing wife yeah. who cared more about my purpose than my income. Mm, right. So when you made yeah. that call, what was that like? I think she was more. I think she was probably more relieved than anything. Oh, really? <laughs> I think so. May, I'll have to ask her now that you ask me that question. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. But she she was super supportive. I think she knew I was um, needing to probably dial into a, a more meaningful career. So I think it makes a huge difference. Yeah. Like I think back to being married, you know, early in in those years, and my husband was in a PhD program, and mm. he hated it. He hated it. Mm. He was in a PhD program that was a seven to eight year program, mm-hmm. halfway through it, and he just didn't like it. Yeah. So we had to make a shift and it took, it was stressful on him. I remember him just feeling like, what do I do here? Like, how can I take our family into such an uncertain place, mm-hmm. you know? So what were the next steps? How did, how did you make it happen? Well, I took the risk and I, right, I just said, let's reinvent. And I was selling solar, which was good income. My wife started looking for me and looking around the valley for jobs in like the helping industry, right? And yeah. like human services. And uh, we found a an interview with Valley Behavioral Health, Valley oh, Mental right. Health at the time. Yeah. So I, I flew out here and interviewed with them and landed me a real sweet job for like 13 bucks an hour. And <laughs> uh, place to start. You know? Yeah. Um, Pay wasn't great, but it was working with youth in residential settings, mm-hmm. um, court-ordered, drug rehab, mm-hmm. kids who were um, struggling, and yeah. right. Yeah. This and this rings back to my childhood. Like this was my how I met my best friend in high yeah. school. So yeah, it was an opportunity to kind of go and and serve in a helpful way. So we took it. We took it, Very and I cool. I quit that job and moved out here and started working with at Valley and uh, yeah. I was with them for five years and enjoyed working with uh, uh, boys and girls and the mm-hmm. kind of the 13 to 18 age yeah uh, while I was there I became licensed as a social service worker and took that. a few classes in social work and mm-hmm. basics like that and and then as I worked closer with therapists and running groups and learning, that's where I learned um, like the aggression uh, replacement training uh-huh. and cognitive behavioral therapy and dialectical behavioral therapy. And I had the manuals and I would run the groups and I just wouldn't be the therapist. After a while, I thought, I love this job, but how could I provide better for my family with it yeah. and mm-hmm. be more of a critical role? So I started to look into schooling. And, yeah. I, and I know... Because we attended the same program, I know that um, that was in marriage and family therapy. Yes. And you were coming from a social worker place. Yes. So did that make a difference? What was it like to be in that place of being a social worker and then going into an MFT program? Yeah. What I did, yeah, to make that shift is I just noticed that when I'm working with all these teenagers Mm -hmm. and they would go home for a home visit and then come back it's like they reverted back to how they were before, uh-huh. right? They, 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 they get to go home on good behavior. Great, you're showing this and this and this. Then they go home and they jump into similar patterns of behavior. They show mm-hmm. same symptoms of anxiety and depression. They have conflict with their family. And 
so I'm thinking, here we are focusing so much on the kid. Yeah. And every time they go back to their system, they the stuff's not sticking. Yeah. So that you you found that they would go back home, mm-hmm. kind of back to their uh, natural environment, mm-hmm. and they would become symptomatic again. They would show yeah. Yeah. that like the issue wasn't completely resolved. Mm-hmm. They would be okay in residential, but going mm-hmm. home. So how do you make sense of that? Yeah. What does that mean? Well, I, the way I made sense of it is that it's they're not the problem. They're the uh, symptom. Okay. And that the environment that mm-hmm. they're in has has to be contributing to their dysfunction. That's big. Can you yeah. can you restate that? And then I would love to understand how that informs you. You don't work in residential treatment anymore, right? But you do continue to work with teens. Mm-hmm. And, you know, kids, mm-hmm. families, mm-hmm. how does that inform what you do now? I very much include the family in my treatment. You know, people initially call, makes sense. Hey, my kid's having struggles. There's the symptom. Right. That's not the problem. Mm-hmm. You're right. That is the, the symptom of what's happening is your kid is struggling. Mm-hmm. So I'm mindful that, yeah, maybe the kid has some things to work on. Yes. And that's where I'll apply models of therapy like cognitive behavioral therapy, DBT, aggression replacement training, right? There's things I can work with individually with the kid. Yeah. But I'm 100% convinced that if I can work with the kid along with mom and dad and siblings. Yeah. And geez, I even have grandparents come in sometimes or whoever are significant players in the kid's life. And we look at patterns of interaction and we look at what what stresses are this is this kid carrying, you know, rather than than have the kid sitting in my office telling me uh-huh. how mad he is at his parents and how they don't understand him and how they da 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 da. Well, let's talk, let's say this with mom and dad in here. Yeah. And then let's iron this out together. Let's make life easier for mom and yeah. for dad and for teenager and 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 we see relationships between mom and dad improve relationships between mom and kid improve yes so it benefits the whole yeah, family for sure you you wrote an article mm-hmm. i loved how you kind of you used an analogy mm-hmm. and i'd love you to just kind of talk about this idea of it's like dropping your kid off uh-huh. at the curb, like taking him to the mechanic. Is that, yeah. is that what you used? Say more yeah. about that. I thought that really, you know, made this understandable. That's what I feel like sometimes we want to do with therapy. And this is normal. And this has been the structure of therapy for years. Yes. Much more than just bringing like your car to a mechanic, drop it off for an hour and then come pick up your car. And now it runs better. Uh, therapy's not that way. You're not, it's not as successful to bring your 16-year-old, let me sit with him for an hour, then give him back to you, and then, oh, he's no longer obstinate. He's very cooperative. He's not procrastinating. He feels great about himself. That would be great. Um, and we do can work together on individual level on those things, but it shifts more quickly and more effectively and more permanently if... Mm-hmm. If we're together. So I invite parents in. I'm going to yeah. say, hey, block that hour out for you too and join me in session. Join your kid in session. 
pause and let's troubleshoot this. Do you find yeah. that, that that's difficult to hold so many people in that space? I love it. You love it. It's a blast. It's, it's invigorating. I am much more invigorated and enthused after a family session. Sure. I think that's a bit unique. You know, as we talk about kind of the individual work and the family work, working with multiple people, yeah. I think that's a little bit unique. It takes a different type of therapist to be able to feel like I can hold that for a lot of people, that mm-hmm. it doesn't feel chaotic. Yes. I think it, for some, it can feel overwhelming and they feel much more comfortable working one-on-one with the yeah. individual. Yeah. So I think it speaks a lot to who you are, mm. um, the way that you practice. And you've just got such a easygoing way about mm. you that you are able to put people at ease and it's, it instills confidence in them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big part of why you're so successful with these families. I, I appreciate that. I, I think that families do, they, they are, they surprise themselves uh-huh. because I, everyone yeah. comes in, right? You're worried that, oh, I'm going to blame mom and dad for the kid's problems. That's not what I'm going to do. Right. And I, and the kid worries, okay, I'm just going to team up with mom and dad and thump the kid over the head and tell him to shape up. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not pairing up with the parents right. to fix the kid. And I'm not pairing up with the kid to convince mom and dad that, that they yes. need to change. Because both of them are amazing individuals with perspectives that are 100% valid. So I'm very careful to align or to build a relationship with mom and dad and kid and sibling and validate each of their experience. And no one's on the hook. No one is to blame. There's no bad guy. Everyone needs to be heard and understood. Once mom and dad are really heard by the kid and the kids really heard then defenses drop and collaboration increases and symptoms go away and yeah. i'm sure so fulfilling to yeah. see um change not just in the individual yeah. but in a much bigger um, context that way it makes everybody happier for sure not that there's not difficulties and bumps and offenses yeah. along the way right and like you say lasting <laughs> change right you go in and change the entire system the whole group of people yeah then it's lasting and yeah. that's what we want that's what we right. want is that kind of change right that's the business we're in we're in the business of change yeah people don't come in and say i want to stay the same ever <laughs> right that's right. never the goal they it's... come in and they say i want my partner my parent my <laughs> yes. child to change yes and i'm not so much say. change <laughs> myself right right <laughs> I wonder if you can kind of speak to your belief in how you believe people change. I believe people change when they aren't scared and when they are seen and heard and given permission to be themselves, to be vulnerable. I don't think we, we change before that space. And changing, I think, comes down to understand, like, obviously, when you know something new, you can do something different. And yes. I think when somebody can help us understand ourselves and maybe invite us to change in a way that we can see will bring us 
more joy or better results, maybe yeah. change happens there. I love that. What do you wish your adolescent clients knew? What do you wish parents knew when bringing in their adolescents for therapy? Something comes to mind when you say that. What do I, what do I wish they would know? That bad behavior, it's a coping response or it's a response to pain, right? Mm. To, see, to see that things we don't like in other people, whether that's in the way our kid is behaving or the way our parents are behaving or the way our spouse is behaving, that it's, it's not about you. They're not, they're not doing this to spite you. They're not doing this because they hate you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about them. So their behavior, anyway, you're saying yeah. their behavior is indicative of pain. Yeah. Like that it says there's pain underneath. Yeah. It's not because they hate you. Right. It's not because you're a bad parent. Yeah. It's because they are hurting. Yeah. If you can attribute their their misbehavior to their pain and not to malice, not to yeah. not to vindictiveness. They're really you are less important than you think. <laughs> Say that again. I think that's big. So <laughs> So say more about that. You're not as important as you think yes. you are. You're not the reason. Mm-hmm. And this sounds like I'm now double speaking because I'm so convinced that I'm not just going to work with your kid because because it's the system that creates the symptom. That's right? coming out in their behavior. It's coming out in their behavior. Yeah. Um, but that's not the same as saying it's because of mom that... Johnny is terrible. Yeah. And that that it's it's not because of Johnny that mom and dad are stressed and overwhelmed. Like there's yes. It's more our, nuanced than that, it's right? It's more nuanced than that. Yes. Yeah. So I think we miss misattribution of intent is one way I've heard it said. Oh, my kid's doing that because he's lazy and he doesn't care about me. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's don't flatter yourself. Don't flatter yourself. Yeah, it's not about you. Okay, okay. Yes. So which is where the the grace and the mercy comes in in session that I'm not out to blame a single person. Nobody is is at fault. Mm -hmm. You're not going to come into my session and present the evidence of why you're right and your spouse is terrible. Yeah, that doesn't tend to work too much, right? No, it doesn't. It's so... Yeah. It's understandable that that's your pain. Yes. Back but to it's, that pain. It's, yes. it's understandable that you're in pain because you're experiencing your spouse this way. What are some mm-hmm. things that listeners can do? One is listen to this while you're walking. Movement heals. If I was to have a tagline, and I'm stealing this from my mother who is a fitness person, uh-huh. um, get out and move your body. Yes. And it will move your mind. It will move your mood. Yep. It will move your relationships. It, yeah. So um, a takeaway is don't sit and stew, but get up and move. <laughs> I like that a lot. I, something that I've realized about myself. Um, so growing up, I didn't move much. Uh-huh. I didn't, I was not active. I didn't have confidence in my body. And I don't yeah. say that even in the like, 
um, image, like confident in the image, but yeah. just confident in what it could do. Okay. I didn't have yeah. confidence that my body could do things. Yeah. It wasn't until I had my first child that I started exercising. What I didn't realize until recently was how much that was doing for me and how much it helped me in a really hard time of my life of mm-hmm. raising kids, being a mom that just, it's a hard time yes. of life. Right. Yeah. And so, um, I agree. Yeah. So yes, listen to this while you're moving. Yeah. I can recall, like when I hear an idea from right. that podcast again, or that, that, that talk again, I know right where I was. I know the corner okay. I was on when I heard that thought and oh, yeah. it resonated with me because, because there's a kinetic factor to learning. And when it, when you hear that and it clicks with you and you're in motion, it, yeah. Somehow, it, I don't know it's the neuroscience. Almost like it's, but, yeah, I don't know the neuroscience either, yeah. but it's almost like it's mapped in your brain. Yep. Great. What a great takeaway. Okay, Ben, so where can listeners find you? If they're interested in working with you or yeah. if they know somebody that they want to send your way, mm-hmm. how can they find you? You can find me at the EFT clinic online. Yeah, Aspire is the one up in Layton. Um, you can find me on Psychology Today. Just search Ben Croft with a K. And if you are interested in hearing more interviews like this, you can find me on Instagram at Michelle Pomeroy underscore therapy. I, it's just been so great. I know you well, Ben, but I yes. even learned more about you today. Yeah. So I appreciate it. Thank you very much.